This episode of The Fleabag Situation is brought to you by being in the same space. We're here. We're within 10 feet of each other. We're socially distanced. Allie has a dog. My husband and son are here. Chrissy has an Archie and an Allie. <laughs> We're socializing ah. distantly. You should too. I have yes, something. be safe. Wear a mask. I have something to say. Oh, that's, let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good he story. Just Okay, well, it's 95 degrees, so yeah, this, I'll this, see you on Zoom. This social distancing is over. <laughs> Father! Father, we have a cupcake situation over here! Okay, Pam, I will be there to cupcake. Hi, Chrissy. Hey, Allie. We're, now we're on Zoom. We're on Zoom. We're back in our houses. Mere seconds later, we're now in the air-conditioned comfort of our homes. Yes. And 24 hours later. Yeah. Yeah, almost exactly. It, yes. So Allie came over yesterday. Oh, by the way, this is the Fleabag situation. I'm Chrissy Moore. I'm Allie Lumgo-Doran. And we had a socially distant visit. We did. It was so nice. First time we've seen each other in, gosh, what, five months? Yes, since March. Yeah, this is really weird that we're like heading to month six of this. I know. Yeah. It was, I haven't done a lot of social distance hanging. So that was like probably yeah. my third ever. Yeah, I think it was our second or third, maybe our third. And it was also, we said it, it feels very old fashioned because you realize how many trappings there are in <laughs> socializing normally. Because yeah. like normally you'd be like, well, let's meet for brunch or let's do a thing or come on in and I'll get food. And like, it turns into like a big ordeal. Yeah. And this was like, how about we sit in our garage? In the shade. In the shade on camping chairs. Yeah. And talk while Archie flips the hose around. <laughs> it was, and it was lovely. It was. We just had uh, like a little visit. It was, and Allie brought her dog, Yoshi. I, I did. And he had a very nice time sitting under my chair most of the time because he's very awesome. attached. Who's also having a very nice time right now as we record this because he's <laughs> humping a pillow in the background. Yeah, my dog's having a really great time. And you know what? Who am I to put my human sexual mores on this dog? You know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let him let him go for it. He's neutered. It's fine. Ellie's raising very sex positive dogs. <laughs> it's, you gotta start young, you know? I said it's like, I feel like it's Godmother Studio where it's like, well, this episode was quite an adventure. Yoshi <laughs> orgasmed as we finished it. <laughs> God. So he's right. little yelps in the background. <laughs> Stop. Very pleased dog. <laughs> so the dog. Moving uh, on from my dog's sex life. <laughs> I'm just, it's, it's adding a new element to this episode. It, it's fitting because we're talking about season two, episode two. Of the yeah. it is um, includes the orgasm painting particularly appropriate yes uh but how are you overall i'm pretty good it was so nice to see you it like totally it just gave me a nice little spark in my weekend yeah. i um had a mini quote vacation <laughs> last right. two weeks ago in which i was at an isolated lake but stayed inside the whole time because I developed hives for a week. That's never happened before. It was awesome. Also, the air conditioning went out and leaked to the unit below. And then the unit above us air conditioning went out and leaked to our unit. So I also saw more people in the same room as me 
than I have since March because we had all these contractors coming in and stuff. It was just, it, you know, I didn't work. I was going to say, this sounds relaxing. <laughs> I didn't work for a week. So. I was broken out and I had randoms coming <laughs> out of my house, but I wasn't but I, in my own living room. I skipped a lot of meetings and steroid cream is a marvel. I am grateful for medical technology. Yeah, I'm glad that, that you recovered from that. I'm, it's, it's a bummer that had to happen while you were on vacation. Allie, <laughs> yeah. Allie was like, I, it's been so long since I've been out. I'm like literally allergic to the sun. <laughs> That's what it felt like because I literally went out one day. You know what I think? Wait, were we talking about this yesterday? Did I have this discovery yesterday? I had this. Yes. So this, so I don't think this is real, but I, the thing with hives is like, you never know what causes it really. And I've never had them before, but I've written about them a lot for, for our job. And they could be emotional. They could be, I have really sensitive skin. So like, I, I thought maybe it was like the sunscreen or whatever, whatever. But then I realized, cause I had see, I was like on the water having a lovely, like three hours. <laughs> that was like, that's what I got, <laughs> which is fine. You know what? It was great. I would take, I will take it. I finished a book. It was great. But um, I saw people, there were two women on like this little beach area. They shook hands and I, I think that's when my hives start. Yeah. I had this epiphany while we were talking yesterday. I feel like I should charge you $175 for the conversation. <laughs> Honestly. Halfway through, she was like, yeah, like the area is a little Trumpy and like saw some flags, some Trump flags and whatever. And then I saw these people shaking hands and she's like, oh my God, that's when the hives start. Like she suddenly, <laughs> like, do you think that could be it? I'm like, it's entirely possible. Like, oh God, I always knew I was sensitive, but like, Jesus, am I that sensitive? Yeah. But I, I mean, but that does correlate. So whatever, correlation, yeah. not causation, who the fuck knows? Point is, I had a really interesting week, but it was also a break and I will take it. And you're better. And I'm better now because of steroids. Well, maybe I'll break into hives next week. <laughs> that's when school starts. Oh God, girl. You're doing the virtual learning. And um, all like all this week, we're supposed to get, uh, he's supposed to get his own Chromebook, which I guess, I guess this wow. thing's cheap. I was kind of shocked yeah. that everybody in the school district gets a Chromebook. I yeah, thought, they're like 150 bucks or something. They're and like I'm not. sure Google gives them a super cheap rate on the school level and they've got like Google classrooms and all this stuff. So, but they're not going to be in in time. So Archie's getting what's called a learning backpack, which we think is going to be a stack of worksheets that we have to work through with him. Oh God. Maybe, maybe the teacher will go through with him. Anyway, he's very excited. So we're trying to just surf off of that. And Good. I was even just now before this call explaining to him what the word unusual meant. Because <laughs> I'm trying to let him know like, Archie, this is not usual. This is not what school is. And I just feel bad that he's missing that milestone of getting to go to school. Yeah. But he doesn't know the difference. And I guess we'll just have to take it for what it is. And for everybody else out yeah. there who's dealing with too. And honestly, we have one child and it's kindergarten. It's not like he's not going to get into a college someday because of this. I know for uh, some people who have like high school students, this is really tough and the stakes are a lot higher. So just sending love to everybody as we always yeah. are throughout this stuff. So, and we had some great Fleabag news. Yes. Sean Clifford won a BAFTA. Fuck yes. Unbelievable. So exciting. So they were last Friday, July 31st, and um, Sean won for female performance in a comedy program, spelled A-M-M-E, by the way. <laughs> I love that you just said that because I was also going to be like, I would also like everybody to know it's spelled 
A-M-M-E, because it is a comedy program. <laughs> it was so cute. And I felt bad because I had it on for a little bit because it was streaming over like, as, so I used the VPN to go into like BBC One. Yes. And, but then I was like, oh, I really do need to get some work done because I'm an idiot. And um, yeah, and then BAFTA was really good though. They were tweeting just overall, they did a really good job of a virtual award ceremony because they actually had Richard Ayade who was hosting it. And it was really funny because he was, they, there was a recording to him outside the building. He's like, we're here at broadcast center or whatever. And like, like the excitement of the Baptist, let's go inside <laughs> and feel that energy. And they cut to him in this like empty studio. <laughs> but They had like screen set up and they had all the visual, you know, all the designs and graphic designs and stuff. So it felt like it wasn't just a dude and like, he wasn't just on zoom at home handing out. Right. <laughs> right. It was a bit of a production. It was a bit of a production. And then all the nominees were on Zoom waiting to hear, like they were all live and then looked like a lot of them had been dressed, like got dressed up. But so yeah, when they announced Sean, she was so excited and so surprised and was like, you know, she even posted, she goes like, none of this makes sense, both me winning and anything I said. <laughs> yeah, she was so, it was, cause I think of her as a person as like very well-spoken and she does like Sean's still space. She's like all about mindfulness and all this stuff, but it's like, it's such a delight to see someone so flustered because they're like overjoyed and it's like at this moment happening. And it was just like, it was lovely. Should we go, should we go ahead and just play that audio? <gasps> yes. Let's listen to it. Yes. And the BAFTA goes to... Sean Clifford for Fleabag. Oh, oh wow. I don't think you can see Phoebe, but... Uh, uh, oh, my God. Sorry, this is so unexpected. <laughs> Oh my God, I don't even believe in competition and all of the women that I'm recognized with, including the one, including the one, <laughs> I wouldn't even be here because of, oh my God, this is unbelievable. Thank you. Thank you to everyone on my jury. I was on a jury for the first time this year. In fact, it was my first Zoom of uh, of lockdown. So it was memorable and the connection was terrible. So thank you to everyone who like endured that process. Um, thank you to everyone involved on our project. You've been incredible. I wouldn't be here. They're like, there is no Claire without Feebag. Um, I honestly don't, I don't know what to say. This is <laughs> so stupid and so weird and so surreal. And Sarah and Bemi, you're amazing. And, um, I hope you're celebrating today because we're all winners here. Um, it's all kind of a nonsense, really. It's, it's thank you. a beautiful mess. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank oh you. My God. Thank, thank you. you. I think the word you were looking for were you beat Phoebe. Oh, she's so cute. <laughs> oh my God. I love too that she alluded to Phoebe and was like the person who I wouldn't be here without. Like she's so, like you could tell she was so genuinely moved. And also, yes. I mean, who's fighting for them? Did you see the follow up interview? Yeah, because they were there together. We're actually in the same space. <laughs> and it was funny how, okay, this was funny because somebody had a theory that like publicly all these people show that they're social distancing. And like when, um, well, and we're gonna get to this, but the old Vic, when they did lungs with, with Matt Smith and Claire Foy, and they were like separated and they were separated by that glass at the end to give each other a kiss. A few friends and I were like, you know, as soon as the camera's off, they're like giving each other a huge hug and like <laughs> they're not social distancing. 
And so then on camera, when Phoebe slid in to talk, and then she was like, is it okay for us to be, like, we're in the same bubble? Like, you could tell it was almost like, oh, shoot, we're on camera. We have to look like we're social distancing. Right. Like, is this transgressive? But then Sean literally was like, did the math, and it's been, like, 17 years and three days since they met. Like, she's counting every day. And think of how they started together in drama school and now they're at the BAFTAs and she's winning a BAFTAs. Amazing. And they got to like be together yeah. getting their BAFTA. And also the guy who did the after yeah, show I thing, I don't know who he is, but he said, you know, like, oh, wow, it looks like you, you're doing really well with your garden back there. And they were like, oh, this isn't mine. And Phoebe was like, oh yeah, I just have the keys to this. And I was like, oh, that's Martin McDonough's place, you know. <laughs> well, some people speculated that it was Andrew Scott's place. Ooh. But I think Mark McDonough is the better, yeah, likely option. Especially because it, why wouldn't he be doing zooms against that gorgeous background instead of like his white kitchen wall or whatever? <laughs> and it was just lovely to like, like I don't know. I, we've talked about this. It's just so nice to see such supportive friendships in real life. They're they just exude love and support for each other, and I just like it is always a wonderful thing to see. So it was just like well, so- I like. Phoebe even said we'd all been hoping this would happen like they wanted her to win and I'm sure Phoebe's at a point where she's like I have won enough like I don't need this yeah and and this was really the only recognition Sean Clifford got I think did she get an Emmy nomination I think I can't remember now all these awards I know she might have she might have um it's all blurring together frankly pre-quarantine who who even knows i remember all the now see all the one year anniversaries are coming up of all these things so like all the instagram accounts are like a year ago they were yays and a year ago they were at this and i was just talking to a couple people about how like the emmys really were the peak of all of it i mean it was the first big one that they started winning and like but her dress was so great and i know like it was still kind of an underdog to win and like, I, I wonder if at this point there was a little bit of Fleabag fatigue because it actually didn't win for comedy. Yeah. Um, Bathlet's Flats won for comedy. So that's great for Jamie Demetrio. He also won for male performer in, in a comedy programma. And <laughs> can I also say, Stathlet's Flats is, I mean, I'm sure they chose the name because it is ridiculous, but I, that, I'm actually really proud of myself for just saying that correctly just now. <laughs> I didn't anticipate. Yes that to be if you're somebody with a lisp that is a hard oh, fuck thing. you <laughs> well it's let's means rent like rents yeah and flats is apartments and then yeah. his name is staff so right which makes, makes sense but it is hard i have it's to kind of focus on it exactly i think the only reason i just said it right is because i was like reading the word like i looked at yeah. the words as i said it <laughs> um but yeah the universe is making it very clear that we need to watch that apparently and is this going to be the staff let's flat situation shortly? Yes, exactly. Situation. <laughs> yeah, Daffy, Daffy Duck would have a hard time. With that. Oh, good Lord. Green would be soaked. Another thing, when you were talking about how the, like their supportive friendship and how that's it's so heartwarming, I watched one of the BAFTA events they did that was um, just like comedy performance that both Sean and Jamie were part of. Oh. And he had really, because they always get these questions of like, what advice would you give to people who are trying to break into this business or want to create content or, you know, either perform or whatever. And she said, it's harder as a performer because you can't just go do it. Like you need a space and you need an audience. Whereas like someone who's writing can just sit and write something. But her point was like, you kind of just have to hustle and like find these spaces for yourself. And that's what dry write was. 
because I think she did stuff with dry right early on and you know and mm -hmm. she said so many people came out of that and it was just them finding this like unused pub space to right. just start putting on shows and then I thought this was really interesting because she said there were so many people who now work together who came out of that and that you can't look at other people who are doing what you do as competitors you have to see them as future collaborators potential yes. And I thought that was such a, because I think that is true when you're in any kind of creative thing, you immediately kind of get like lasered in on like, I, if somebody, like you think it's a zero sum game and if somebody else is succeeding, it means there's less success for you that's available right. when it's actually just like exponential. So yeah, like you can help each other climb the stairs. Totally. And so I love, I just, and he even said that, that this mystery BAFTA man whose name we don't know, we'll just call Tell him, the, ba we'll call Baft him Mr. BAFTA. Mr. BAFTA. <laughs> Said, I think it's Jamie something. We're gonna have to, we literally have the internet at our fingertips. I know. Oh, well. Mr. BAFTA said it must be, um, you know, the fact that not only, you know, Sean, you were able to star in something and like help your friend out by starring in something that she made. And then Phoebe, like Sean is able to like help you by giving a performance in something you've written. And they're like, yeah, it's, it's the dream. Yes. Oh, satisfying yeah. on so many levels. All right, then the other big news. Big news. Less happy. Uh, yes. Not that it's, anyway. Andrew Scott is sick with something and we don't know what it is. Nope. It's a mystery. We are all on pins and needles, like waiting, <laughs> waiting for word. <laughs> so he was doing this play. He was going to do this play called Three Kings at the Old Vic that was part of their in-camera series to like stream live theater and basically kind of keep the theater going. There were going to be five shows, July 29th through August 1st, plus this in-conversation thing. So a bunch of us, of course, like, got a bunch of tickets. Well, then we got an email on for the Wednesday show that it was canceled because he had taken ill and that it was not serious and not COVID-related. So immediately we're all like, okay, he's got, like, food poisoning or something. Yeah. Ate a bad clam. Who knows? <laughs> you know Andrew. You know him. And he loves those clams. <laughs> Got a bad batch of clams casino. And, um, so then, then that got canceled. Well, then Thursday, I can't remember the exact timeline, but all of a sudden Thursday got canceled. They say he's still not well enough to perform. And they were in the, um, they were sending out surveys to like pick an alternate time. We'll move your ticket, whatever. Then here's how Snoopy our group is. Someone noticed that if you went to the old Vic ticket site, all of a sudden, all the weekend shows were sold out. Everything was sold like overnight or like within an instant. So we're like, something's up. Well, then sure enough, they came out and they said, he's actually, we're canceling the full weekend because he is having minor surgery. He's in hospital for minor surgery. Again, we need to reiterate, this is not a serious issue and it's not COVID related. Every communication is like, this is not serious. This is not COVID. Please chill the fuck out. Dude is allowed to have his appendix out. <laughs> and so... It, and that's going to be the new name of the play. <laughs> not serious and not COVID related. <laughs> well, now, of course, and then they said, we expect him to make a full fast recovery and they're moving everything to the following weekend, which was supposed to be this weekend. And now suddenly our Facebook group is Grey's Anatomy. And we're like all doctors. <laughs> we're all trying to diagnose like, okay, what is minor? What is not COVID? -related? What requires minor surgery that you expect to be recovered from in like literally four days? Also, also an example of, you know, there's just not a lot going on on quarantine. Exactly. 
<laughs> like this is this is the big news. This is the exciting thing. We're all, de- all all detectives. Oh my god, it really was almost. <laughs> well, we're not watching a play right now. Some people were literally like, I took time off to watch this play because it. I'm, I'm in America, so it comes on at like two thirty in the afternoon. Like, right. and like, oh, what am I supposed to do? Like, work? And um, <laughs> no. Well, and so Allie and I work for a health website, which means we're basically doctors. Yeah, no, that is how that is. That's in the job description. It just says yeah. basically doctors. I do that all the time when someone will be like, yeah, like someone else I know was like, yeah, I'm getting chronic hives, and I'm like, Are, you know, do they itch? When do they occur? How long do they last? Like, I'm. I know. Some fucking diagnosis. Like, I know. I, it's really bad. It's, it's especially because we write so much, like, you know, when you're a doctor, you go to medical school for four years and then you do like years and years of, of uh, residency and fellowship and all this stuff and you actually have to memorize things. Whereas we write like one-off articles and learn a lot about something. And then Im- at least for me, immediately forget it. But I feel like I oh. know it because I wrote a really in-depth article. In the moment, I know everything there is to know about pancreatitis. Exactly. But like three weeks later and you're like, oh. I mean, I do feel like if we were on Jeopardy, there's a health category, we'd do better than most. We would do good. No, yeah. That is a very specific skill that we would have, yes. We know what the Isle of Langerhans is. We, unfortunately. There's that. So that's something in our column. Anyway. (laughs) So I, and here's what's funny is I am on the editorial, well, Allie and I are both in the editorial team, and part of my job is generating new content ideas or title ideas, and we all, we kind of have a shared list where we'll just, like, add ideas as we think of them, which I always joke, it's a great way to find out what's going on with everybody. It, it's also- so- Allie will add four titles of, like, why hives might spontaneously appear. <laughs> Stress <laughs> and your skin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> are hives psychological? Exactly. And so if somebody and, else said to be like, oh, I think, you know, Susan might be dealing with some GERD over here, you know. I know. So I added a column. I added a column. Wait, can I just say, we've never explicitly said this, but we've all, clearly everyone knows this about, about that spreadsheet, about like, about when you pitch titles. Oh, it's what it you're going through. Exactly a, yes. a replica of what's happening in your life. Absolutely. absolutely. So I added one last week that was um, surgeries with surprisingly short recovery time. <laughs> not COVID related. That are not COVID related and not serious. It <laughs> might keep you from performing a play at the Old Vic. It's, I mean, it's a very specific title, but I think, you know. There's an audience. Go deep on a narrow topic. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's an audience and it's Andrew Scott. Um, <laughs> So anyway, I've added that. We're, I'll look forward to scheduling that. In the meantime, we there has been so much speculation. Oh, because then what ended up happening is by by like Tuesday or Wednesday, I had noticed because like I, a lot of us follow the old Vic on social. And I was like, they're not promoting this thing. Like they kept promoting this Jekyll and Hyde thing they had on YouTube. And I was like, it's been real quiet. And someone's like, well, they're probably just being cautious, which it turns out is exactly what it was. Yeah. So all of a sudden by like Thursday, they announced whole weekend is rescheduled again. Um, he's not fully recovered. So he might have just been pushing. They might have just pushed it thinking like, I'll be okay. And you never know with, with those minor surgeries that we know nothing about. You can't predict that shit. You can't predict it. You don't know if, you know, the cut's going to get infected. Who, whatever he had. Yeah. 
And so, um, so now it's kind of just on hold indefinitely until he's recovered. And then, so we're all just kind of waiting to hear. And, and the, I just want to say old Vic has been fantastic through all of this, the box office staff, their emails literally say at the bottom, like we are reduced, but hardworking staff. And they've been so responsive and very proactive in their communication in terms of like your tickets are safe. Yeah. Don't Chill work. out people. Calm down. Like, you know, your, your tickets are safe. We, we got you. Yeah. I do love that. It's literally like, we're shorthanded, hardworking. Don't email us. Don't call us. <laughs> like, don't but you call know, us. We'll call you. That is a lesson on boundaries. Like, thank, good job, guys. You know your capabilities and yeah. you are setting boundaries in a crisis. But it has been rampant speculation on what this could be because we're like, you know, Andrew Scott fans know he's a very private person. Because we're kind of like, if this is append- just tell us he got his appendix out or tell us, you know, he's got gallstones or whatever. So then <laughs> there actually was kind of a side thing. We're like, okay, the fact that they're not saying it means it must be embarrassing. Yeah. Or he could be like, um, hi, I have my own life and you all right. know my <laughs> medical chart. Right. The world doesn't need to know that I had kidney stones. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't help imagining the like nurses on like just checking in for their shift and being like, what's going on? They're like Andrew Scott's in room 48 or whatever. Um, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, he probably needs a lot of support. Yeah. Oh, let me go. I'm going to go pray for him. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, ladies, I've already had like six sponge baths. I'm <laughs> I am so they're clean. Like, they're like, we're very thorough. You know, with COVID, you just cannot be too clean. <laughs> sir, sir, I am the professional. I'm going to need you to turn around. <laughs> Anyway, hope I'm I'm all joking. Is, the only reason we're being yeah. so jokey is because they've reiterated that it is not serious. Yes. And not COVID related. So in you know, genuinely best wishes. We hope he gets well soon. We know he's listening to this podcast because he no, eagerly he, awaits it every week. At home in his jammies, <laughs> hot chocolate, listening to the so excited. Like we've probably given him a little boost. He probably feels a little better now. Yeah, now we that we're okay knowing that we've got another episode out. I know he was worried about us. Definitely. I know. Chris. He's like, they haven't really put on a new episode in a couple weeks. I'm not feeling good. <laughs> so well, Andrew, it's fine. You can focus on recuperating. We are, we're big girls and we'll get through this. We are like Aaron Burr. We will wait for it. <laughs> oh God. How about that. All right. Let's get talking. Fleabag, the scriptures, season two, episode two, after break. Are you enjoying this podcast? If you think it's horrendous, it's horrendous. Then thanks for checking us out. But if you're loving it, it's all the things. Then we'd love if you could rate us on Apple Podcasts. And if you really love us, make like the priest, along with my latest review, and leave us a review too. Thank you. Okay, we are back and ready for Scriptures, Season 2, Episode 2, 222. Yay! And I have to say that after doing my notes for this yesterday, I just kept watching through to episode, end of Episode 4, or no, at 5. And then it was like 1 a.m. and I was like, I'm going to go to bed now. Gotcha. But crazy Saturday night for me. Well, I was reading, I signed up for the archive of our own membership which is free you just log in oh okay. access to a story that everybody was talking about a fleabag fanfic so i was up to like three in the morning reading a fleabag fanfic so it's in a- preparation 
for this call in preparation for our recording today. So yeah, they gotta be thorough, you know? No, I did you see somebody had a tweet or a meme or something that was like, um, me looking at a movie's running time, like two and a half hours, ugh, too long. Instead, I'll just rewatch both seasons of Fleabag, which takes me six hours. <laughs> it, it, yes, though. Like, but I, it is season two, especially once it's, it's like Pringles. Once you pop, you can't stop. It honestly, the, literally the only reason that I didn't watch all of it yesterday is because I fell asleep. Like I, I, my husband was like, your body betrayed you. My body, fuck that. My body betrayed me, it, which is a common theme lately. Um, my, no, my husband was like, okay, is it bedtime at like, at like 1250 AM. And I was like, just wait till they have sex. <laughs> Like, I literally was like, you yeah, know, no, no, no. because it, it was like, he said that right at, like, she's standing in, in the trench coat, waiting for the door to open. And I was like, yeah, 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 give it, I mean, it's just like four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't mad about it. Okay. So, we're, 241 is where yes. the, this episode starts, and she's shaking hands with the congregants. We hear murmurs of, peace be with you, response also with you, said between them. We do not see the priest yet, although he is standing at the pulpit. Uh, it's funny to rewatch this and see Pam in the Congress. Like, obviously didn't notice her the first time. Oh, there you are, girl. And then, I don't know, we had kind of talked through this when we talked about this episode of, like, you do the, pe- the handshake of peace after the Our Father at Catholic Mass. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And then another thing I noticed watching it this time, you also don't kneel, at least in America. I don't know, maybe in the UK they do. But in the U.S., you um, what would actually have you all stand for the Our Father and you all hold hands. Oh, so, not anymore. Not anymore. Not a COVID-friendly prayer. But you actually all hold hands, even with like strangers. And then actually, maybe I did say this before, because the person who's at the end of the row is supposed to just hold their hand out as if to welcome anybody who wants to come hold their hand. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And then at the end... There's even a part that goes for the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. And you actually are also supposed to like raise your fists and it feels really weird. But then at the end, he goes, the peace of the Lord be with you and also with you. Let us now take a moment. See, I haven't been to church in I, 20 years and this is how ingrained this shit is. I'm literally sitting here like, Chrissy says she's not Catholic and she's not good. Like she hasn't been to church. And then she just went through like... Very impressive. I mean, I could do that with the, I mean, I saved my fucking Haftorah last week, so. It's also, that's the, about the enthusiasm that a priest will say it with, depending on his age. Let's <laughs> take a moment to give each other a shine Christ peace. Like, it's so over, everybody's over it. Um, anyway, I'm just, I'm starting to think that maybe this episode's not a factual documentary about the Catholic Mass. Oh my God, why even watch it then? <laughs> I like, it's like, take that, Phoebe. We yeah. f- we found you out. <laughs> gotcha. It's almost as if this is a television show and you set it up so that it was more amenable to filming. You can just ship that Emmy right back. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. We'll pass it on t- for you. It also occurred to me that um, it's another instance of kneeling, though. Yes. Like, prior to the confessional, it's like they do introduce this idea that Catholicism has kneeling in it. Yes. I also like that when he says, when he starts going like, oh, our father who art in heaven, whatever, when he says our father, everybody around Fleabag like looks down, you know, in the prayer 
And mm-hmm. she looks up at him at the word father. Like, it's like, yes, father. Like, so she's already, I mean, we know that like, she's already into the priest aspect of the yeah, We know why she's there. Shebang. Yeah, we know. But I just liked noticing that yesterday. I was just like, oh girl, all right. Well, and that, then this is the sequence where she's looking around at all the paintings, which I loved being able to see this in script form. Because yeah. even the way she describes, like, during the prayer, Fleabag looks around the church, the following action happens while the prayer is recited. Now, Jonathan had mentioned to us that Phoebe had very specific direction on what paintings to include. I think it's, I don't know, and I can't remember if we talked to him about this, if they were actual famous paintings, like, that she wouldn't just include the name, like, it's this painting. And maybe she told him. Maybe I they forget. Or if they just found ones that matched this description. Because the one, when we get to it, the one in his office is a specific painting. Yes. He doesn't mention the name of it, but I remember we looked it up, and it's it's a famous painting. So I don't know about these other two. But what I do love is, like, I was, I've been looking forward to the descriptions, because Jonathan said, like, there were, you know, she, like, laid it out. And mm-hmm. it's so funny because they're very, they're very well described, but it is also very focused on how naked Jesus is and how fully clothed. Like, okay, so here's one. Jesus is semi-nude except for a loose toga wrapped around his body. A woman kneels before him, gazing adoringly at his form. And then the next one, this time, like, like this time, this time he's wearing nothing but a loincloth, lounging over two fully dressed women who are kissing his hand and bathing his body. And then the, the next one is the best because it's about like the wooden carving that she looks up, like looks at of Jesus. The crucifix. Yes, thank you. The the tiny loincloth draped around his waist, his torso exposed, his carved muscles glistening in light, the blood dripping from his chiseled face. <laughs> <laughs> like okay Phoebe we get it and all, I mean I don't I'm it's fun to read those because you get what she's like like she's definitely portraying that but I would not say that that the crucifix portrait of the wooden carving of Jesus in the actual show is glistening yeah they didn't quite like he's not as carved like it's not it's he's not, not as sexy and I'm guessing they had to use what was in that church. Yeah, I, oh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, because you don't really see, like, carved muscles. I have seen crucifixes where there's, like, abs. Like, he's, like, but I I was almost, because when I was doing my notes, I was, like, should I bring up? It's, like, yeah, why is Jesus, like, ripped? But <laughs> it depends on the depiction. He's also not white, so there's that. Yeah. But, I think he's probably also just skinny. And well, also um, trying to hold himself up so he doesn't suffocate. So there's so you're gonna be like engaging your core. I don't know if that's offensive. I'm sorry if that's offensive. <laughs> Not to me. Okay. Um, I remember learning that in Catholic school because I kind of never understood. I was because I remember someone was like, "Why? How do you die on a, on a cross? Like, what yeah. is what is it? Do you just like starve to death?" And they said, "It's actually this is terrible. It's actually uh, so because you the weight of your body you can't." Uh, the way to your body it, yeah that's why it's so meaningful that he died for our sins Allie yes uh, clearly so the rest of this episode is me converting you to good luck thanking you <laughs> thanking our lord and savior for his sacrifice there's what? This is a classic catholic joke because on yes. the on the cross it says I-N-R-I I don't know if you've ever seen that do you know what that stands for I looked it up after seeing your notes on christiananswers.com oh well it <laughs> for I'm nailed right in. <gasps> oh. 
My mom told me that joke in church. In church? Yes. It's actually Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. But it is. So I should have known that. Anyway, this has been fiction <laughs> talk. I know. So yeah, it's this very sexualized image that yes. she is describing of Jesus. Right. And we actually don't even see the blood dripping on his face. Like we see the wound in his feet. And Yeah, I was very focused on the, on the feet thing. Yeah, and then the loincloth. I mean, it gets the point across that yeah. she, even though I, we, we, we talked about this, like what is the meaning of this whole sequence? And like, I think it's just seeing, maybe it is a comment on like, there is this weird underlying sexual repression in Catholicism, but also like we said, kind of just, there is like sanctity in this place that he is and these, yeah. these things mean something to him. And I, well, when they, cause I remember when we were talking to Jonathan and also, I think maybe this, this was in some interview with Phoebe at some point that when she was like, she went to Catholic school and was like always, always noted the paintings around and how naked he was, you know, the things that she points out here. And so she like wanted to make a point like, we are sexualizing the fuck out of Jesus. Like, what is up with that? Especially with like the women worshiping him all the time. I don't know. Anyway, I, I just want to comment. I had written in our notes. Uh, just setting up the joke. Do you know what the uh, INRI stands for? Ellie has written a two paragraph. <laughs> the liter letters INRI are initials for the Latin title that Pontius Pilate had written over the head of Jesus Christ. Latin was the official language of the Roman Empire. The words were Isis Nazarene. Oh, I can't even read it. Latin <laughs> I instead of the English J. She literally wrote. <laughs> I did my research, Chrissy. You, you asked a question. And I answered it for you. And I was just setting up a silly joke. And I was like, why didn't she look this up? I'll do it. <laughs> then we get, you know, he goes, please be seated. Um, after they cut to the titles, they start to sit. And she says, and also with you. And we get confirmation that it's by accident. Yes. It says in parentheses, by accident. There's no indication that she did this on purpose. Right. To be like, hey, I'm yeah. here. So that good to have that confirmed. Yes. Her voice echoes through the church. The priest looks up at her. They hold eye contact for a second. He smiles. She smiles back. This is straight up porn. I, like, just, it's poetry. I, like, just pour that all over me. <laughs> just drape me in those words. Ugh. I think Ellie needs to write some fanfic. <laughs> or at the very least, read some. Yeah, that was just a nice little, ugh, ugh. Well, and it, it um, comes back to even some of their glances at the dinner and like how much they say just looking at each other. I have it written somewhere in these notes that like the beats and the glances are like, they just make the, that's what they, that's what makes Fleabag. It's just like mm -hmm. beat, like all, everything that's wrapped up just in that beat, just in that glance, like that's what gets you among which, other, yeah. among other things. Anyway. Which we get here. Yeah. Um, beat. He looks back down to his Bible, a little thrown, which I was like, a little? A little thrown. It's more like flustered as fuck. Like totally off his grounding. He, and Andrew Scott plays that so well. Ugh. It's like just the right amount where he's still trying to focus. Ugh, I know. And another little technical note. Uh, she says he looks down at his Bible. He doesn't. He's looking down at his pulpit because he's reading the notices. Again. Suck it. Suck Not it, baby. Uh, all right. So when he says 3-1 victory, Here's a, here's a little debate. I don't know if we talked about this before. Does he actually just hold up two fingers or does he do the two fingers thumb makes three combo and his thumb is just pointing forward and you can't see it? So. Is he flustered and he goes, 
two. He's holding up two fingers, even though he says three, one victory. Oh, I didn't think about the flustered thing. I, so because you asked a question in our notes, Chrissy, yeah. I, I answered it. I would look up the history of fingers. <laughs> I went on a deep dive into the history of fingers through the ages. The finger is made up of four. Mid <laughs> Medieval fingers were bananas. Um, anyway. They were literally bananas. They were just <laughs> bananas on their hands. <laughs> Thank you for um, yes anding that. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> So I rewatched it because I was like watching this as I didn't know it anyway. So it wasn't like hard, but I finally paused. I just like paused on it. And I think that his thumb is up, but the camera angle doesn't make it super obvious. Like Europeans. Am I right? Well, did you ever see Inglorious Bastards? Yeah. That's one of my favorite movies. Because that's the giveaway. Yeah. He does the wrong three. The yes. chivalrous, if you will. I know. That's what I remember learning in French class. Like they like made a point to be like, when you count, your thumb is one. Uh, okay. Then on page 243, he finishes and he talks about my latest review. And it says on review, he smiles and nods to his congregation while appreciative laughter ripples around the room. Or was it a wave? Is <laughs> a wave. Oh, oh, a wave, a wave, a wave, a wave. I, I love that. Like he kind of holds for applause but like, it's not annoying because they were going to give it to him. Like he knows it's coming because he is adored. Well, and it's also a clearly a highlight for him of writing these. Like it's a yeah. little for him. So he's happy to have that. I think we'd mentioned that, I don't know if we did it on the episode, Fleabag, when, so when she goes over and, you know, says hello to him and people are leaving that she actually starts saying goodbye and God bless you to people as they're leaving. Right. Not the script. I thought that was a funny little ad lib. Agree. Page 244, when she's trying to pay him and it's described as a battle of politeness ensues, which is really the family. Like the whole family is like a battle of politeness, but it's actually more like politeness masking a battle. Oh know? yeah. I also noticed on a different note, that right before Fleabag says like, oh, I want to pay you back, that Pam is in the background, like a little blurred out, literally wiping dust off the pews with her bare hands and then wiping it on her shirt. <laughs> like she literally like wipes something and then like looks at her hands and just like makes a face and then like wipes it up. It's like, thanks for going the extra mile, Pam. Thank you. Really dedicated. I know, but also just like she adds, she has Joe Martin just adds so much to that role. Like you didn't have to do that. That was so good. Yes, I was just about to say she. It's totally proof of like you don't have to have a ton of lines to make a big impression in a performance because she's so good in the scene and just in general. Yeah, I also love her total lack of acknowledgement of Fleabag's presence when she walks up to announce to the priest that she's going to knife the candles, which that phrasing is also so intense. And I, I didn't catch it until I watched it with the captions. Same. I'm going to knife the candles. It's just like, so and she's, she's like out of breath from wiping dust. Yeah. Well, then the comment to like a, um, a beat as Pam nods enthusiastically. <laughs> uh, before she finally realizes there's somebody else there. So then, you know, do you like tea? And then now, um, in the back room, looking around, it's filled with bric-a-brac, which I love that term, for the garden party the next day. And I also just noticed this time, like, so is that his desk? Is she, like, actually sitting in his chair? Is she's he sitting so, in the guest chair? She's so transgressive. She just sits right down. It's amazing how different this room looks now versus at the episode four scene. 
like pre pre confession. Oh like, yeah. It's weird to even think that they're the same room. Like it looks so much darker and a little more intimate and on, ominous even like Omin- yeah ominous also it's a little it's just a totally different tone it's more intense also post bric-a-brac that's all it took he just had to tidy up get rid of that bric-a-brac and, <laughs> the, tat. and the tat sorry for all the tat and he says she looks at it around the room there's another painting of jesus scantily clad in a loincloth another fully dressed woman kneeling at his feet touching his thigh you don't often hear Jesus described as scantily clad, like he's a Victoria's Secret model at a pool party or something. <laughs> like scantily clad. Nobody, and that never hit us in theology class. No, that wasn't part of it. I feel like part of it with her describing all, like how naked and somewhat sexualized Jesus seems to be, at least, you know, like there's definitely, pro- she's projecting it because, she, you know, she's a horny, horny woman, a horny. I feel like, if you think about her like growing up surrounded by those photos, uh, those, those, those paintings, like maybe that's the justification for just like how in a constant hornstorm she is. It's like, what do you expect? I was like surrounded by this all the time right. and at the same time taught to repress it. Like, yeah, and I don't know, that's, I mean, I, I'm sure there are art history books about this topic, but I mean, I wonder if they, they portrayed him that way to like portray his humanity, that he was a real person and yeah. even more vulnerable. And, yeah, or know. like the, the poor, because he was like, you know, the poverty, like, you know, that makes sense that he'd be like not dressed so much and like. Well, I don't think of, he walked around naked all the time. No, is that not true? No, I but of, co- of course, but I mean like in the paintings to portray, like he well, is, he like gave more, to, you know, I don't I think know. a lot of these, paintings she's showing are either post-crucifixion or post like I think around that like I don't think he like preached in a loincloth because like the picture you usually see is more like a shepherd like he's wearing like a like oh right or something but I think this most of these portrayals are are him either on the cross or after oh so Um, he's getting cared for because he was freaking crucified yeah he's dying or you know Cool. I did not make that connection, but also my Jesus references are lacking. So. But I also, I think her point of it here is the sexualization and the, you know, that's how she's, the lens she's looking at it from. Yeah. Yeah. Which is one of my friend's favorite lines that flee back to camera after looking at that picture, slightly aroused and shocked. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> I feel like it's also a little like, she's kind of teasing, Je- like Jesus, like, like you cheeky little monkey (laughs) acting like you're so proper holier than thou right i i know the truth about you oh god all right then page 246 when he brings in the tea and then he nervously she specifies he nervously spills it because he's nervous I, i say this every time when the way he says bastard actually freaks the hell out of me like if i were her i'd almost be like i think i gotta go like was that the appropriate reaction to what just happened intense and also because bastard isn't the like a reaction word typically like you might be not for us i I feel like be like shit or fuck or damn or like there's other there's other curses (laughs) i almost wonder actually like is he talking to god like why did you make me do that like you because i've done that sometimes like 
not that I believe I'm talking to God, but I'll be like, if something goes wrong, I'll be like, oh, fuck you. Like, yeah. You know, like, like you asshole, like leave, knock it off. Yeah. So I almost wonder if he's actually like expressed either at matter himself for like being flustered in front of her or even like to God of like, why are you, well, or is it another way of God? Like, does he take it as a, I never thought of this. Does he take it as a signal from God of like, you shouldn't be doing this. Right. Like I'm going to mess you up from the start. But yeah. I was also thinking, yeah, I, I think I took it as like, he's so mad at himself. He's like, oh, you bastard. You stupid. Right. Like, yeah. You mess this up. When you said that's not a typical like reaction, have you seen the compilation of bloopers from like mov- old movies from like the thirties? And like, there's not a ton, obviously, because they didn't want to just like waste film. But it, right. it went around Twitter for a while, and it was like, "Ooh, I haven't seen it, but this sounds amazing." Well, it's also funny because it's the '30s, so their version of like swearing is to go nuts, <laughs> ah, nuts. Oh, zoinky! Like son of a bitch, but like <laughs> nobody going fucking fucking shit. Like, but we'll do it live. Claudette Colbert is going nuts. Like, <laughs> it's really cute. Oh, that's good. I gotta look at that. Um, Okay, so then I also like that the direction says, he looks at the material he just cleaned the tea up with. He sees it's an official holy piece. And I'd always wondered, like, what? Like, what is that? Like, is it like a nap, like a napkin? I don't know. Just, I never, I was like, oh, educate me about Catholicism. What is that? But then she just says, it's a piece and it's holy. Like, it's just, just this piece of fabric. Don't worry about it. It looks to me like some kind of, um, cause there's actually like part of the communion, there's a little towel <laughs> or a little like um, piece of cloth that is part of, cause they, like he, there's a whole ceremonial thing of mixing like water and wine. And, and then there is like a little cloth that goes over the chalice. And then there's a plate that gets put on top of it with like the communion. And oh. so I always took it to be one, I was an altar server. Oh. And so, uh, one of the few, like, one of the few churches that, like, girls do it. I was just going to say, not altar boy, altar server. No, altar server. So progressive. So I, I always took it to be one of those things. So it was a towel, technically. It, it meant, yes. Well, and all of this stuff is just material until you bless it. Right, right. I mean, I remember literally in, like, the back room, there were just sleeves of communion wafers. Like, they would just come in, like, cracker boxes. But it was like, oh, well, that's fine because they're not consecrated yet. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. He hasn't waved his hands over him yet, so they're fine. <laughs> you loved that this pause was scripted about, like, is that holy? A bit less than I was before. Oh, it's my favorite. That one, that might be just my favorite line in the whole thing. I don't know why. He just delivers it so, it's like a bit less. Because it's like, you just, like, it's he beautiful. plays a trick. Yeah. He's like playing with you and he's playing with language. But I love it. And I think I attributed the timing to Andrew. Right. Like just playing that really well, but it is written in. So maybe Phoebe did it, or maybe she just was like, when she was writing the scriptures, was like, that's delightful. I'm going to put that just in. Transcribe it. Yeah. And then it does, the line here says, I think, which he doesn't say. Mm. A bit less than it was before, I think, but he, they dropped that. Um, and then I like, he smiles, she smiles, he settles. Because it, it's like a first instance where I'm like, oh, she brings him peace. But it reminded me also of the scene at her flat when, like, before they're about to have sex. And he's so nervous and she kisses him and it calms him down before it like, revs him back up. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but there is that, even though she's the source of so much, like, angst for him, 
she also does bring him a sense of peace in a different way. In the show, he says, here you go. And he gives her the tea, which is not in the script. I don't know if I caught, so when he, he the moment he thinks of getting the real drinks, the G&Ts, is right after he says, you've probably got a life, which makes me wonder, like, when he says that, does it suddenly, like, he feels insecure of, like, okay, she's, like, a normal person. I'm not supposed to be talking to her or, you know, I don't know, like, um, well, it seems like he thinks she's cool. She's not going to volunteer at the church thing. That she wouldn't be interested in his stuff. Right. Or actually that like, you probably got a life might mean like you have a boyfriend. You're not going to choose me. Right. Which, you know, she shouldn't, but that never stopped anybody. It's just, I just, that struck me that right after he says that is when he suddenly is like, you know, let's just have a real drink. I also like, I think twice he asks what time it is or she starts to say what time it is. And he, he actually never lets her tell the time because he kind of doesn't care. He just wants to justify that she is okay with having a real drink. It's, it's just, it's G&T o'clock. It doesn't matter. Exactly. We, we know what time it is. It is kind of, I wonder if she's just being polite going, um, well, it's like even looking at her watch instead of being like, yeah, fuck yeah, give me a drink. Yeah, you did ask. We've said before that his delivery on I'm a big reader with no friends is so good because especially when you just see it in a script like there are so like you could really hit that line hard and he kind of just rolls right through it and in fact he even just rolls right into are you a cool person yeah and um i to me it was also like a little preview watched on, on multiple reviewings a preview of the cafe scene where he doesn't want to talk too much about himself and i think it's partly because he's genuinely interested in her and i think he also maybe senses that she doesn't share a lot and he just kind of always deflects back to her yeah well, and like he's, he, yeah, he's constantly wants to dive deeper with her. And also that doesn't happen with anybody else in her life. Right. So it's like even, yeah, I do love that. Then I love yeah. the, the script refers to the hot painting of Jesus falling. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I don't think everybody's going to like, that's a hot painting of Jesus. It's like, no, that's just a big painting of Jesus. Every So many paintings of Jesus scare the shit out of me. Like, I think I told you, my parents or my mom used to, in, in their room, had the picture of him. With, yeah, there's a name for it, but it's like, you see the heart with the spikes around it. Like, the, the, there's a version where it's like a heart with the crown of thorns on it. Oh, okay. Um, Catholics are screaming at the at their iPhone or whatever. Um, I forget what it's called, but, it, but there's a picture of him and he's looking very intensely at the camera. And he's got this heart with thorns on it. I remember just as a kid being like, oh my God, he's a creep. And in, the, in your bedroom. Yeah, it's like a religious Iron Man. He's got this like glowing thing in his chest. He's looking <laughs> super intense. And like, and then his eyes kind of follow you. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> okay, Zoom is hard because you, like, if I make a noise, it will like mute Chrissy. And I want to make sure that like, I'm, that she gets to finish her sentences so they get recorded on this. But I, he's like a, what did you say, a religious Iron Man? Yes, a religious <laughs> Iron Man whose <laughs> chest is glowing with a heart with thorns on it. <laughs> looking at you with these creepy eyes that follow you. And I'm, yeah, I'm just, this is weird. Oh, God, that's good. Page 248, one of my favorite lines. You were my prayers last night, likewise. I love it. Oh. Um, now this, I've said this before, this moment exemplifies the genius of Fleabag of him giving the line about, I love it when he does that, because that scene doesn't end on the punchline, which so many shows would. But instead, he immediately shifts into like real talk. 
and it's like the layered nature of the writing but also him as a character like it's showing he can bounce back and forth between these different parts of his personality kind of like we saw him with the parishioners yes. where he's like talking to her like yeah i told him some bullshit hey sandy like you know like, <laughs> like he's he's multifaceted he, he is a complex character and maybe she's starting to see that um i also yeah like when you said you know they could have ended on that punchline of like i love it when he does that and can't you hear the like bass guitar riff leading to the cut to the next scene and like the the like audience the canned laugh track like bom, 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 bom. <laughs> I, I thought if i were a better video editor or had time because have you seen the things where it's like law and order but it's a sitcom or oh my God. someone did like Shit's creek but it's law and order and they made it look very serious oh, and i thought funny. you could be funny to do that with fleabag like fleabag is a sitcom oh god that would be a fun project, actually. Yeah, we'll do but that in free time. Yeah, I was gonna say, because I have just so much time to do stuff. And I also feel like with that part, it's like, okay, we laughed at religion for a sec, like there was like a funny, shocking moment, but now let's go into seeing why there's meaning in it, like how he finds meaning in counseling others and turning to God for guidance. And so it, it just shows all the layers. Kind of here too on 248, he drinks, Fleabag looks at him, then nervously at the camera. He leans in. And someone had pointed out that in the scene in her flat, after he's undoing her coat, I don't know if I've talked about this before. Never, moment, never. He looks at the camera, knowing what he's about to see, but he sort of like leans in and like blocks her view of the camera. And I don't know if that is totally intentional, but someone, once you see it, you kind of can't unsee that. And it's like, he's suddenly being like, nope. And like he's forcing her to kind of focus and so yeah. here it's almost it's more subtle obviously but because she looks at the camera after that line which he clearly probably noticed maybe it's his way of being like all right i have to get closer to her to actually get her to focus on this part this part's important yeah like she disappeared and that's what's so nice is that and i hadn't thought about this until you said that is like maybe the first time he noticed her talking to us slash like you know disappearing is that moment like even before they know each other that well, but they are so tuned into each other and he's so tuned into her that he notices, but he just doesn't know her well enough to like acknowledge it. But I love like the, the lean in is just like, no, back to me, back right. to me, engage, engage. And there's a slight line change when she says, you know, I'm an atheist. And he goes, in the script, it says, yes, I gathered. And he goes, yeah, I gathered from the smelling of the Bible. <laughs> which I like. And then Fleabag laughs, glances at the camera, caught out, which I love because it's not the last time he'll do that. Like it's the first instance of like, he is sharp and is not missing much. Yes, and it's, she does such a good job because the cam it's one glance at the camera. Like you can miss it, literally if you blink, you will miss it. And it's, but it's a fun acknowledgement like, oh, he's playing with me, he's playing my game, did you see? Like, did you, oh, this is fun. Right. Like share this with me. Which is what she tries so hard to do with her family and they ignore it. Exactly. 249 script says beat before he says the line about I'd spend 40 days and 40 nights in that dessert. But in the episode, he actually almost cuts her off. There is no beat there. He's actually eager to tell her or he's just like, just pull off the bandaid and just say it. <laughs> um, which makes me wonder if, this, that, if that was an Andrew choice or a Gary choice. Did Gary edit it to just cut it into him just going right into that line? Yeah, I wonder. I, I, yeah. I think he's like anxious to tell her. I think he's proud of it. Yeah, because, and I think he's already decided he was going to tell her, but he had to, like, put forth the, like, image of, like, 
oh, I'm going to resist or like acknowledge it's not cool to kind of be like, listen, I'm excited to share this with you and I think you're going to like it. But just in case, I know it's weird. Well, in her line, even to say, well, neither are we kind of then we're like we're in this together. Like we're both not cool. Yes. I'm including me with that. Yes. Which I do love. Well, neither are we. So I know. Long pause. He looks slightly vulnerable. Which seeing that word, because I was like, it's all about vulnerability, baby. Where my Brene Brown bitches at? Um, that's really the dumbest thing I've ever said. It's no, because I mean, that's so much. This is where I get into like my PhD like, dissertation about uh, the, the similarities between Fleabag and Brene Brown. Yes. It is all about vulnerability and allowing themselves to be vulnerable in front of somebody. And that's what opens them up to being loved and oh. a whole person. And oh, I love it. I know. I love it too. And it's also like, as if, if you as a viewer hadn't fallen in love with him already, then you're like, oh, all right, fine. Like his eyes and the way he smiles when he, oh. I actually think even though she says, yo, God, I fancy a priest. Part of me wonders like, is this the moment she actually kind of realizes she loves him? Yeah, just, like, or, or could love him. Right. It's like, it's more, it's a new level of connection with someone. Because even later in the counselor scene, which we'll talk about, like when she says, are you in love with it? It's almost like the counselor can already tell. Like you, you're thinking about this guy differently. Yeah. So now this scene, looking up, this, looking up celibacy, which the script doesn't mention music. And I only mention that because other parts it does specifically call out music. But it really is a perfect little, I mean, you, you need it because there's no dialogue. Um, but the it's such a good composition where it's like religious, but also slightly mischievous. Like even not knowing what the words mean. Yeah. The tone of it. And then she types again, what happens when a priest has sex? Her eyes widen at the results. She looks at the camera, an excited expression on her face. So I guess she finally got the answer that like nothing happens. Right. Well, which is, yeah, I kind of wanted more details. I was like, well, what did you find? Because obviously we have all, obviously, we've all Googled that. But one, the SEO is probably all messed up now because of Fleabag. (laughs) When you, res- when you search it, it's a lot of Fleabag results. Yeah. And also, like, who the fuck knows? But yes, you, we both had noticed that the search results page is very, I mean, it's obviously not going to be Google. They're not going to, like, pay Google. <laughs> like, they made their own branding, I imagine. Well, I, so I looked at it, because this is now a new question I have for Jonathan, which was, did they create these computer screens? They must, they obviously must have. Because there's no branding. And then if you look at the browser bar, it actually just says www.search. And then looking where the Google logo will be, I had never noticed this. If you kind of look from far away, it's the word search and like an abstract design. It's like this, you know, almost like a connect the dots. Um, If you look, it's almost like, remember those stereogram puzzles, the 3D where like you had to like cross your eyes to see the image. Oh, yes. I was always very bad at those. Yeah, it took one there. It's like riding a bike. Once you know how to do it, you see it. But that's how I felt with it. Like, I, it suddenly appeared in my like, oh, that is actually just the word search. Yeah. But in a really clever way. <laughs> Another reason why I think maybe they created the graphic, which would make more sense, is because I'm a big reader with no friends and I found a typo. <laughs> and I, <laughs> because I find typos everywhere and I'm, it's very obnoxious. But I, anyway, the results page, one of them, because what I really like, I like was reading it and it's like such a, one of the links is like, learn how to restrain yourself from indulging alcohol, sex and drugs in five easy steps, which I just thought is funny because it's like, oh, oh, it's just five steps. Oh, great. 
like five. We've, we've cut it in half. Right. But, um, but no, they, they misspelled the word alcohol. That's interesting that that's there though, because that is kind of like, there's been theories that like he's an alcoholic and he's, was he a sex addict in the past? So that's funny that that's one of the results. Okay. Page 250, no, 249. We're still, now we switch to um, Hillary's Cafe. The cafe is rammed with customers. I don't know why I like that. Well, it's fucking sexual. Very sexual, very rammed. Everyone is talking to each other, almost as if it is an event. Well, it kind of is, because it's Chatty Wednesday, but we, I guess we don't know that yet. Yeah. Claire shows up. Are you having an event? No. I'm like, yes, you are. It's Chatty Wednesday. I know. I feel like the stage directions backed Claire up here, like as if the stage directors are like, almost as if they're having an event. And then, so it's like, no, listen, Claire's not just asking because she like thinks that Fleabag has like a destitute cafe or is a bad businesswoman. It looks like it's an event. Yes. It's an event. <laughs> it actually is an event. And I guess maybe this Fleabag just trying to downplay it like, no, it's just always this successful. Right. Which maybe it is. Just maybe they're just not all talking as much. Who the fuck? Right. Well, she's made it sound like it is a successful cafe now. But um, yeah, so maybe there is a passive aggressive. Because she then does say, you know, it's just successful, I guess. And then it kind of comes out. It's like, oh, actually, it is an event. It's Chatty Wednesday. <laughs> Yes. And you know what? That's all dig. And I feel like we probably talked about this the last, the time we actually went through this episode, but for four hours, but, um, but that's like a dig at Claire being like, I'm just successful. You know, like I'm, you know, so she's like, oh yeah, look who's successful now. You look tired. Well, I'm successful. So exactly. By the way, somebody on Instagram commented on one of our posts and I don't know if they were talking to us, but they just commented something that said something like, why are your episodes so long? (laughs) I just replied, because we're talking about Fleabag. Per- perfect answer. Also, we have heard the majority positive feedback on the lane. You don't have to listen in one sitting. We yeah. even offered, we can break these into parts, and everybody's like, no, I do that myself. Right. I'll, I'll get to it when I get to it. Right. So, whatever. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> I like to that Claire is horrified. She's described as horrified by this idea of Chatty Wednesday and talking to somebody you don't know. I know. And her face shows it. Horrified. (laughs) An elderly man, Chatty Joe, approaches. So now it's funny that Joe from the play is now Chatty Joe. She never refers to him as that in the show, since really that is his primary role, is that he's just overly chatty when she doesn't want him to be. Yes. It's also another little moniker she's given to a male character. Yes. Yeah, that was a nice little surprise in the scriptures. Page 251. Tooting. We just got (laughs) to now here it's interesting that when joe comes over there's no stage direction for sean clifford on how to play the physicality of this interaction with him but it's so perfect the way she does it by leaning back away from him oh i mean she's a bafta winning actress so i guess they bafta knows what they're doing (laughs) uh there's also this was something i thought if we get ray back on Mm. So interesting, there's no description of the funky, well, actually, there's no description that she's wearing funky trainers until Fleabag says it in the dialogue. Those are some pretty, you know, there's there are some pretty funky trainers. And also, just to ask Ray, like, how did they arrive at those? Like, right. they've gone through a few of, like, what does that mean? There's a wide window of what yeah. funky trainers could be. They could be, like, bright neon colored, but they are, because they're fitting, because they're a little offbeat, but not crazy. Yeah, like they're still black and white, but they are polka dots. Yeah. And they're kind of, they're like Converse-y, aren't they? Which is not something I would see Claire wearing. 
Converse are they kind of look kids-ish to me. Oh, like, like kids, like yeah. Um, but they do look cute, actually. They do. God, they could sell. They could have a whole shop. Hard cut to exterior dad's house hallway. Another written edit. You've like heard it on the podcast, but there's a line in Thirty Rock where Pete goes, "Smash cut two. And so I just very much enjoy doing that. But I do enjoy that they're just like hard cut. Like we are going to shift shift here. Like uh, she dumps. Oh, the way she treats Claire too. Now that Fleabag's the interesting one, Claire, oh Claire, get the door for God's sake. <laughs> um, and then in the stage direction, she dumps Fleabag's Fleabag's coat on Claire, onto Claire. Coats, 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 and particularly Godmother and coats. Yeah, you're right. There's a, a lot, lot of, of coat action in that little entryway. Yeah, Godmother gets a lot of code action. <laughs> the fact that Godmother on 253, she can't just say, I want you looking the other way. Like, this is my idea. But she has to do it like, you know, pretending she's just inching her around. <laughs> you can't feel collaborative in any way. It just has to be her passive aggressive. Yeah, just, she starts edging Fleabag around the bench. She does it a bit more. Like, it's just yeah. like, <laughs> she can't just say, turn around. It, right. Is now facing the opposite direction from Claire with her back to the easel. Rebecca <laughs> has a little frown and turns her head toward Godmother. Nope, sorry if you could just. <laughs> I know. Because nothing real, they can't acknowledge anything real. They can't ever acknowledge like what they actually want. The other thing on a practical level, it lets Fleabag talk to us while we see the rest of the scene. Yes. Um, Which is genius. And it's, it works for like practically, but also because she's going to talk to us because she's just been like very clearly told you are not important, you know, just very clearly reminded of her role in the family. So right. she's going to go to us. Right. Like her, her, she doesn't want her face in a painting for her father. <laughs> Godmother doesn't want her. Yeah. yeah. Like you it's don't cool. think that her, her father would want to see his daughter's faces. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's like the sex exhibition. It's about power. Yep. I, on 254, I don't think I'd caught this until I was watching it with the script when they're talking about the miscarriage and Godmother says, like, you know, she had friends who had miscarriages and one had one and rather regretted it. And the way Claire asks, did you never want them? And if you look, she kind of looks down, like she looks off to the side with like this little bit of melancholy on her face. And it's so subtle, but I, it had never occurred to me that she has just gone through a miscarriage and maybe she's pondering that she might have a life without a child of her own. I mean, she's got Jake, but yeah. um, that that moment kind of hit her asking, like, did you never want them? Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, it just, again, very subtle. Yeah, BAFTA, yeah. man. <laughs> no, there's no stage direction on what Fleabag is pointing to when she's talking about the colors. Until, <laughs> of, the, of the orgasm painting. Right, until she gets to the end of it. Then it says we look at the painting. So there's, that's a change. Because yeah. in the episode, we see the painting first when she goes the three colors. And then actually after the line where it goes, I had an orgasm, we don't see the painting again. No. Which is kind of interesting because you'd think that's a punchline to see the painting after she says I had an orgasm. But in a way, it's more like they just trust, we'll remember what it looks like. And it's funnier to see Fleabag's reaction to her saying that than to see the painting. Right. And I love that I, so Godmother says, like, we, I've, I've known she said this, but it was quite an adventure painting. I had an orgasm as I finished it. Reading this, like, this is like when I'm like, oh, yay, scriptures, because I'd always thought she was saying it was quite an adventure painting it, like the action, ver yeah, 
but in the script, it's, it was quite a, an capital A adventure, capital P painting. Like it was quite an adventure painting. Like I love, it's literally an adventure painting. I want to make some adventure paintings. <laughs> like it's like, is that a what? Is that a genre? Apparently. Adventure painting. Adventure painting. Well, there's the sex art kit that we talked about. Oh my God. That would be an adventure painting and an adventure painting. How's uh, how's Yoshi doing? Where where's he at? Oh, he's fast asleep. He exhausted oh, okay. himself. <laughs> he's got a cigarette in his mouth. Oh God. <laughs> he's he's sated. Uh, I like look at the painting. It has a large orgasmic splodge of color on it. Okay, splodge is uh, now I, the choice to and Jonathan says she had a specific des design and I in mind for this. But the fact that it's white, like the fact that the splodge is white always makes me laugh because it not only just the shape of it, like she threw paint because she was in the middle of an orgasm, but the fact <laughs> that it's white makes it seem like she has a penis and she like actually ejaculated onto the painting. Am I right? <laughs> yes. Like, uh, funny that it creates this like double joke. Yes. Well, it's not even just that she could lost control of her paintbrush. Right. No, agreed. And just, oh, splodge. Orgasmic splodge. I'm going to write a fanfic called Orgasmic Splodge. Oh, God. Here's the fun thing about reading the fanfic is all the different terms people will use for different parts. And like, I know, I'm sure as a writer, it gets redundant. And you're trying to think of new ways. Somebody, I agree though, they're like, as soon as I see the word prick, I'm out. Yeah. Because it makes it seem like they're poking with a needle or something yeah it, may, it's, it makes it seem very small and painful and narrow and thin <laughs> and not at all enjoyable so as soon as it's like yeah like feel my prick it's like nope no I picture like it's like having no. sex with a protractor like I'm out <laughs> um like go cock or go home right <laughs> am I right people I have to agree okay happy Sunday the day of our lord okay <laughs> 256 when she's going through the, you know, she's here, she's going through the whole list. And she's like, oh, that's one off the list. Claire, through her teeth. Great. Like. Like, oh, I can't. Like, so much just got worse for me in the last three minutes. <laughs> yes, she's got, she's got a list of things to do. And now one of them is dealing with Fleabag. Right. So page 257. 257. Get to the lawyer's office. A handsome, charming man opens the door. This is hot misogynist. Bum, bum, bum. Another funny thing, because she titles him that here, even though she doesn't refer to him to that until like episode five. Is it right? Because oh. at the door, she goes, the, the, the hot misogynist who may not be a misogynist. Does she call him that before that? No, she does not. I don't think she does. He's just dated. Uh, well, and that's what's funny is she calls him hot misogynist in the stage directions. And like literally three lines later, it's like, David? <laughs> Like, but, it, but it's like, oh, it, he, he may have a name, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're used to this. Uh, like, that's not how we know him primarily. I love his naughty grin. I know. Yeah, naughty oh, grin. Oh, Ray Fearon is so great in this. Just so good. I love that. I feel like naughty grin just sums up hot misogynist, per, like his whole vibe. Just yeah. Naughty grin. He suddenly laughs. Now, here's why I was, here's a part I was unsure about what it meant in the scriptures. He suddenly laughs. The girls laugh too. As he lets them enter off the cuff. I'm joking. Slip on in, ladies. What is the off the cuff referring to? Off the cuff would be like, he just came up with it without planning. 
But right. he definitely set up the joke because he was like, I don't sleep with people I work with, beat. Yeah. And then I'm joking. So I don't know. Also slip on in, sexual right off the bat. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. It's, maybe it's a different, maybe in Britain it's a different thing. Or maybe, just maybe, we're overthinking it. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't check out. He's eating his lunch messily. Oh, yeah, he is. All, the, I like the stage direction. He's all, quote, powerful in his attitude. Loves himself. So that explains, we had kind of said, like, why is he eating this sandwich so grossly? And it's just because he is so confident in himself, he knows he can get away with it. Yeah. Like, look at me. It's fine. And did we talk about the phrasing, if you spit guilty, you'll have to swallow a short jail term? We must have, but I forgot. And it's solid and terrible. And then just him referring to like honey and little lady, he's throwing in all these little, I don't know, it's so specific, but it really serves the character. Yeah, to me, little lady seems like, like from a cowboy. Like that's like, that seems to be very American, like the macho misogynist with the confident, like, oh, hey there, little lady. <laughs> Funny you say that because if you, on that production design webinar that he did with um, Lucy Gardetto and Joanna King, he brought up that they said, if you really look in the background of, of Hot Misogynist's office, he's got a lot of like horses, like rearing and kind of a little Western, American Western imagery. So there you go. Observation. Oh, look at me. And then you'd said like, yeah, the ping ponging back and forth of yeah, this writing. Written, like it's, uh, there's actually so few page, so few words on this page, but it's all in the action of how the camera's bouncing back and where she's looking and yeah it's so and it, and it escalates so well that like we understand why Fleabag was like I'm gonna go but yeah. we can also understand why they're like wait what like what that was weird that you left outside we had talked about this moment where she's looking up at the trees and kind of wondering what it was supposed to signify and in the script, it says, Fleabag waits outside for Claire. She looks up at the sky, the wind rustling through the trees. Lost in her thoughts, she begins to hear a hymn from the church earlier. Claire interrupts her reverie. Full disclosure, I'd look up reverie. I think I always confuse that with reverential. Like, I thought it meant, like, you were admiring something. Oh. But it's not. It's, um... It's like a dreamy... A dreamy state. Yeah daydreaming plus like usually pleasant daydreaming i think i think i only know that because french dream is is like red like mm. and like also actually let me check that before i the show in vegas called la rev that was oh yeah like leve is to dream so i think i may i don't even know if i ever learned that but it just like makes sense but yeah but that was interesting because we i thought that the music was like a signal to us that she's like like yes that she's having you know in a reverie she's thinking back to the priest but the fact that she hears it too is a new way for us to be in her head like we're kind of in her head without her knowing like she might not be including us but we know what's in her head right yeah if you'll go for a drink with him fleabag thrilled slash offended <laughs> i love this because we, I think we talked about this in, when we talked in the last podcast episode, which is like the title of this scripture series is, I think we talked about this already. But when it's like a handsome, suave guy, you're like, that's like hitting on you. you, you it's maybe you're like a little less offended and less skewed out and like a little more excited, <laughs> which is such a double standard, but humans are stupid. Yes. Women are stupid is what you're trying to say. Humans. <laughs> <laughs> 
we know about we know the truth about Allie. Yeah. I love that Claire's reaction to Fleabag saying she doesn't sleep around him anymore is to assume she's ill. Like something must be physically wrong with you. Right. On 263, it says after she goes, you know, you uh, what you did in the restaurant was unforgivable. I know. Thank you. It says they smile. And if you watch, Claire does the bare minimum of what constitutes a smile. She doesn't really. But we understand this is a shared moment between the two of them. Yeah. More of a glance. Yeah. It's a little, maybe a twitch. <laughs> I had never noticed too in that scene, because when you look at the cutaway of the, of the trees, there are some birds that kind of fly out of the tree. And then in this moment, when she, when she's kind of quote smiling in the background, there are birds flying out of a tree that I think is just, it's a total coincidence, but it just adds another little sense of divinity to this moment. Yeah. Talking about the miscarriage, I'm weirdly fine, which is like the first allusion to her being relieved about it. And yes. And it says, she's like, um, I said, I'm fine. I'm weirdly fine. And the word fine the first time is in all caps. Like the emphasis was built in to these directions. Like she wants to make perfectly clear. I am fine. And, and yeah, she, go ahead. She means it. She's saying it for emphasis because she means it. Yes. It's actually the truth. Yes. What a remarkable thing to actually say the truth. And then what also is funny is that I hadn't really noticed, I don't think, is that when, because Fleabag's like trying to give her the voucher for the counseling session. And when Claire says, I'd rather have the money, the stage director says, Fleabag looks at the voucher. Good point. And I don't think I'd realized that that gave her the idea, like she might not have gone to the counseling session otherwise, but now she's like, oh, I'll just get some free money. Like, yeah. okay, thanks dad. I that that's what that meant that she assumed she could go get the money which obviously went horribly wrong <laughs> but or did it because i think or it actually helped her oh yeah so now with the counselor fleabag sits opposite an inscrutable counselor she's moisturizing her forearm <laughs> she has a small notepad on the table inscrutable and a great word to describe fiona shaw because i remember gary saying that that he said the genius of her she expresses so much and her face doesn't move it's incredible. Like watching Killing Eve, you do realize like, oh God, her face barely moves, but you know exactly what she's thinking. Yeah. Amazing. Another detail that we didn't ask Ray about on this outfit. We need, a, we need another episode with him of just all the minor characters. Yes. Because I, I just want to say like that detail of the giant ring she's wearing, that big kind of stone ring is spot on. Like if you've ever been to a counselor or a therapist, they are just a little eccentric. And I don't know if it's just the nature of that work or, or what, but, and plus it also like clanks on her watch and her bracelets when she's putting on the lotion that just adds yeah. texture to that. It's such a minor little thing, but I was like, Oh, it just adds authenticity to the. Yes. Thing. So the, we get that flashback because the counselor's like, so the impulse is still there. And then we get the flashback of the priest from that morning and it's him on the pulpit and not, and I think we did talk about this last time. But like, it's not them, ha it's not Priest and Fleabag talking or having any connection. It's him like engaging with the community. And it's before they even started talking like actually in depth. So yeah. part of, maybe he's like still more of a mystery to her. We know she fetishizes that part, like the priest part of him. So it's attracted to him being like in his like priestly duties. Right. And being good at his job, enjoying his job. Yes. Yeah. Being cute. Yeah. So I it wonder, oh, you were, you, you wondered 
go ahead. What's it? Because all the script says is flashback of the priest from that morning. So obviously this was Gary's choice of what to put in there. So the fact that he chose that instead of like them drinking or them together, I thought was telling. Also, I just thought now we for sure know that it was a morning, a mor morning uh, church. Day. Yeah. So it was like they drank at 11 is what I'm saying. <laughs> Right. And it must have been a weekday because I don't think the counselor would be open on a Sunday, but oh. so, um, this is a very long day for her. Yes. Uh, yeah, it really is. Very full. All right. Then on say, the same page when I mentioned this, when she goes, are you in love with him? I say yes. And that she fell when he made the dessert joke. And the fact that she reacts like laughing like that just is such a foreign idea to her. But I think there's also a little bit of truth laugh to it. Yes. Agreed. And at the very least, we're in love with him at that point, Fiona Shaw. His little finger waving. Ugh. Page 267, when she's getting defensive, she goes, I don't need to be analyzed. I have a nice life. And I thought of when Phoebe was on, I think it was on How to Fail, or I don't know if it was on the town hall, but that she never wanted it to seem like Fleabag felt sorry for herself or that she didn't acknowledge kind of the privilege in her life, which is that, you know, she she is like, she has a nice place to live and... She's not destitute. She's just an emotional mess. And I think that's important to just establish. Yeah. As well. And there's been some talk about, you know, that Phoebe comes from a position of privilege. And I think it was, you know, that line just made me think of that, of her, like, I'm not saying I'm, I don't have things in my life that are good. Right. I'm just a, still a disaster because anybody can be a disaster. It's an equal opportunity disaster. Well, this is funny because we, I was just talking about this with someone of we can have a tendency sometimes to like invalidate our own problems because we compare them to others and we feel guilty that we're worried about something and you know someone will be like well it can always be worse and it's like well of course it could so like does that mean only i don't, I don't know like in whatever you're in in your mind what the worst possible experience could possibly be for a human like unless you're in that situation then you have no right to complain like that Right. You know, you can acknowledge your position of, of the privileges in your life and be grateful for them. Um, you know, and then also still say, well, I'm also stressed because my son's about to start virtual school. And we've never done that before. Like, right. you know, you put it, yeah. in perspective, you put it in perspective, but I wouldn't want someone to go, well, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, that's, that is a, that is a very particular thing I am terrible at. And I have to remember that like me invalidating my stressors doesn't help people less off than me. It doesn't help me. It doesn't like, it doesn't, no one benefits from me thinking that my shit is not as hard. So I shouldn't try to like deal with it in a healthy way. <laughs> like it just doesn't help anything. So you may as well just work through it. I was going to say, it's another form of like you said, like fill up your cup. So yeah. you other people so if yeah like if you've got something that is causing you stress that is then causing you like maybe physical issues or or just that because, hives because it's giving you hives but even like if you've got <laughs> to me if you've got mental stress I always compare it to like um like when you've got your computer running and there are too many programs running and there's something in the background that's draining the energy and everything else is running slower because of it like that to me is if you've got something bothering you or something stressful and you might not even know what it is. And that's part of what a therapist is for yeah. is for you to just go to and say, something's wrong. Like things are harder for me than they should be. And, um, 
and then it's almost like you you close that program <laughs> once you identify it and then then you can work better and do other work that helps you know and it frees up space yeah i love that that's such a good metaphor that's so good. and it kind of relates to because i rewatching the scene like it's a funny scene obviously but there is benefit to this counselor and in a way she's asking the right questions and in a way she has the same effect as the priest because she just accepts what Fleabag says and then kind of delves further. So when she goes, I want to fuck a priest, her reaction isn't like, oh my God, that's awful. Or how, you know, she just kind of immediately goes, oh, Catholic. Like she just jumps right in yeah. and agrees with her and accepts it. And there's also a little bit of a joke of like, I get it. Like we all have it. Yes. <laughs> Which is comforting because then you're like, then you, it's a shared experience. You're not the only crazy one. Okay, 95% of the benefit of therapy is to have someone else look at you and say, this is so common. Yes. Almost everybody goes through this and you're like, oh, okay, I'm not batshit. Right. Um, I just feel like here, it's a little bit like the priest where he just, when she goes, I lied to you about the miscarriage and she winces because she's waiting for judgment and it doesn't come. And here, I, I thought when you think about it, it's a similar line of work, like a therapist and a priest where they're both trying to help people find meaning and kind of accept themselves. Oh, absolutely. And he even says that in the, because seeing as I just watched the confessional scene last night, he even says like, to listen without judgment. And like, you know, it's just like, I'm just in here. That's the key to, so, and that's another Brene Brown thing of like her, the whole definition of empathy is listening without judgment and just accept, you know, hearing what somebody is saying yeah. rather than trying to tell them how to fix it or, or, you know, give them judgment on why they shouldn't be feeling that way. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so then here at the end of this, we have another written edit of like, you know, you know what you're going to do. I don't, you do, you don't. And then I don't, and then it cuts off. Now here's where I got real nerdy. Now I'm starting to get nerdy. <laughs> it says the priest laughing with a group of women. It's not, it's a group of teenage girls, right? I, I don't know if they're teenage, but they're definitely like very young. They're like definitely late teens, early twenties, I would say. I assume they were students at the school. Oh, maybe. But I guess they're not quite in uniforms. No. Depending what day this is. Um, this very busy day <laughs> that Fleabag has had. <laughs> if we assume it's the same day. Um, actually, well, I feel like that's a different day. It's, right? a, it is a different. It's the next day because he said the garden party's tomorrow. Right. That's right. And she's in a new outfit and whatever. So I took it that these were students. Um, but they just look young to me. The one girl looks very, like, I, I never took it as he's flirting with a group of women who are his peers. Agreed. I thought it was a good choice because I feel like it's a little less like unseemly or something. Like it's not a group of cougars like <laughs> trying to get the priest. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. But it's just like he's popular, but not in a predatory way. He's, you know, the girls have like a little innocent crush on him probably. Yes. Uh, it, there's nothing competitive or threatening about this situation it's just showing that people like him yes although later on in the scene she they say like he's surrounded by women he doesn't look at her and then you do feel like that's a little competitive but i don't think it's because they're her rivals i think it's just an attention thing yeah i think it's just that he doesn't notice her looking yeah uh, i have another note about that later nice 271 with <laughs> harry harry comes up <laughs> Uh, I don't know how to talk to babies. So good. I think what's funny about that line too is, 
he probably genuinely is like, I don't care about your baby. Oh, I don't know how to talk to babies. He's also just antsy to get to how do you two know each other? Like, I don't want to waste time blabbering to this fucking baby. I want to get, what's your deal? Right. (laughs) And then when Harry goes, you know, they're kind of talking over each other. I used to be her girlfriend. Genius. Uh, And it says, Harry smiles, not realizing what he said. But the priest doesn't really hear it either. Because he doesn't say girlfriend. He just, (laughs) I said, girlfriend. Girlfriend. He like laughs it off and because it's like he didn't really hear it either. He just heard that they were together. Yeah. Good Got to you. the point. I yeah. also think I feel like a Harry in a nutshell. Harry not not realizing what he said. <laughs> <laughs> Another tiny script change when he says, are you having fun? And she goes, oh yeah, I think so. She actually is more enthusiastic. She just goes, yes. Like it's more of a sincere. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So then I loved this next thing Mm -hmm. the script says pam suddenly approaches them at pace does she sense a flirtation so explicit i know and i love that like it's like a twist we haven't gotten we haven't been involved in the commentary like this yet like this is a question to us which is just like super fun and gets the, the point across and we're involved i love it because it also, what the, Pam's behavior is not out of line with how we've seen her previously, where she's very intense. Yes. But it does call out here that maybe now that she's seen them together a second time, she's like, what the fuck? And okay. then even more so on 272, she walks off with a pointed smile to Fleabag. If you have, I posted once the screenshot of that look. It is ice cold. <laughs> it's a very sharp point. Very pointed. <laughs> she goes through the whole thing about the, she orgasmed when she finished it. Fleabag smiles and briefly looks to camera. Not quite the reaction she expected. Lisa, whatever gets you there. Which is... What was she expecting? Right. I, and I feel like her reaction, she's like delighted. So I wonder if she expected him to be more flustered or like reproach her for being inappropriate or something. I, yeah, it's funny. I wonder like... Yeah, that was that was not the, quite the direction I expected, Chrissy. It's another case where he like catches her out. Like she thinks she's got this thing over him, and he's just like, "All right," like kind of just brushes right through it. Yes. Now, the cupcake, our intro clip that we hear every week. So I know this clip very well. We all, <laughs> it's different in the script. Yes. In the script, Pam says, "Father, there is a cupcake situation over here." That is not what she says. She goes, father, father, we have a cupcake situation over here. Which is better. Yes. And then in the script, it says, thank you, Pam. I will be there to cupcake. And he says, okay, Pam. I will be there to cupcake. So minor, but significant. Love it. Especially for us. Yes. It also, the script does not explain that what the cupcake situation is, is two cupcakes have fallen on the ground and that she could easily just pick them up and throw them in the trash. And then the cupcake situation is solved. Right. I also love that we're just using to cupcake as a verb. We just continue to do that with no explanation. He's going to go cupcake over here. So cute of him. I know. He does that for Fleabag's benefit. Mm. Like, I know this is stupid. And so I'm yeah. going to go cupcake. Ugh. I also, you know what else he does for her benefit? Yeah. Touch, touches her arm gently before walking away. Okay, first of all, <laughs> motherfucker lingers. He does not. <laughs> gently touch her he slides 
it's like shoulder to elbow full deal it's like he's measuring it's, it's a caress it is a caress and then flea back to camera aroused yeah <laughs> us too girl well and her she's talked about how her goal with this was like the power of a single kiss versus all the sex she had so here just someone touching her arm is suddenly like she's about to go have an adventure painting <laughs> yes if you know she's about to pull a yoshi if you know what i mean <laughs> Now, 273, Martin shows uh, up. Yeah, okay, you just said, uh, because what I love, the length of the uh that's in the script. It's like she just tapped the keys back and forth. Like G-H-G-H, and it's in all caps. Yes, it's not just an uh, it's uh, it's like <laughs> deep. I mean, that is the accurate spelling of how you would react to Martin. Especially, that's, I think, the worst he looks in the whole series. Ah. Uh intentionally obviously but like he's got the black eye he's in that brown suit his beard looks giant it like just disgust and like oily and purple it, it's, a, it's a bad look <laughs> and also everything he's saying is so gross and he and he's st- also he so martin is standing over her smirking like it's just ugh, ugh, ugh. what it reminds me of what i'm gonna say the t word uh when he the president that might be worse what in the hillary debate yes when she would be talking and he was just in the background like lingering over so weird oh my god Uh, remember when that was the worst thing okay let's go back to sleep i cannot then it's jake looms over that like it's all these men like looming over standing over looking out looking for claire well before that so she goes through her rant and and ending with you are a weakie and it says the band finishes and everyone applauds, adding insult to injury. So is this just meaning like there's even more attention on how badly she landed this rant? Yeah, like I feel like she was feeling so celebratory and like so good and we were feeling so good with her. And so if she had ended it like in a good way, then the applause would have been like, fuck yes. But instead it was like, oh, you fuck that one up, girl. It comes off as sarcastic. Yes. She actually even does a little pre-Nancy Pelosi, like, claps in her face, like, <laughs> oh, that was excellent. Cause we're all You're, right. You're right. Then, I, even watching the scene, Martin calling Jake man over and over, it's like he's trying to just be the cool dad, and it, it does not work. Like, he's still trying to show up to Fleabag. Now I want to know, how did I miss this? This is literally the first time I've noticed this because of the scriptures. When Martin is, you know, talking, he was, you know, you got to do better than that. Um, oh, I just want to say she's been really happy until she saw you just saying. He winks at her, but it's painful with his black eye. I have never caught that in my life watching this show. I thought he even says, ouch, like you're like, ouch for you. You've just really owned. Oh. I never have caught that he's trying to wink at her and it hurts because his eye has been punched. Which feels good, doesn't it? No, that's uh, that was one of my favorite things is that he winks and he just goes, ow, and just walks away. I feel like so, I literally, today <laughs> I learned that that was a thing that happened. <laughs> totally miss. All right, now here's what I was gonna say. On 276, it says, Sleeback turns to look for the priest. He is surrounded by women again. He doesn't look at her. It's the exact same footage from the beginning of the scene. It's the same girls. Yeah, so in I, the same positions. Same position. So obviously they just took additional footage, you know, Gary took additional footage from that, that shot, but either that or these girls were like, bitches assemble. He's over by the yellow umbrella. Let's go. (laughs) 
on what? They've been tracking it. He's done talking to that bitch in the red dress. We're back at it. (laughs) Oh my God, I love it. Then there's actually the hymnal music again, which uh, that kind of comes up. And um, I never noticed that it cuts off as soon as Jake comes over. Yeah, her, her, her reverie is broken again. Yeah. But although this is not very happy reverie. No, this was just wistful. <laughs> and then when she's walking away and the priest comes around and the yes father, yes father, to camera thrilled and then to priest innocent. Uh, it's so good. Love it. And later then, like, their hands brush when she hands the coconut back. And to camera, bit breathless, knuckle brush. And then the way it's described, when he pulls out the Bible, I've marked some pages, she laughs nervously, horrified. So now this is what, you know, Claire is horrified at the idea of talking to people. And now Fleabag's horrified at the idea of of reading a Bible. I love that because it's like, oh, right, getting involved at the church means I have to, like, be more into religion <laughs> like oh I forgot that doing this to just see this priest actually means I have to do this <laughs> right to walk the walk <laughs> right. maybe also that she's like oh he's serious about this church stuff yeah I thought I was just having this flirtation with him he really is into this <laughs> it's like the weirdest thing right <laughs> um another case of where she calls out the fact that he doesn't um kind of play along where she goes I think I know what happens he smiles but doesn't rise to it and this is classic like she just cannot surprise him or catch him off guard well because she he just like accepts what she said I love and so he doesn't like in this case he doesn't really play along with her like he doesn't rise to it because he's like this part isn't a game like I want an actual relationship friendship with you let's like push to make this bond deeper which she probably wouldn't mind pushing to make that bond deeper in non-biblical well in no yeah not including a bible get to, but know, get to know him in the biblical know him yes but yeah it's like a night it's still it's like just ah oh, the chemistry well and i think he sees through her little quips as like a defense mechanism or a way to keep people at a distance so he basically is like i'm not gonna play along with that i'm I'll acknowledge it, but I'm just gonna kind of keep going. Here, when um, you know, he when he says, I, "I'd like you to come," uh, <laughs> or, 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 yeah, mm-hmm. uh, have a read. I'd like to know what you think, and if you ever want to talk about stuff, I'm here with a G and T, of course. And I always wonder, is he saying that like to sweeten the deal for her? Like, I know you don't want to come here to talk about the Bible, but there's a G and T in it, or is it like? Bring a G&T when you come. That's what she does. She goes, you said to come around with G&Ts. That's true. Um, also, I okay, so when I rewatched this episode, instead of watching through episode five, I just rewatched <laughs> the scene about 20 times. <laughs> because he's also a bit breathless as he's saying it. Like, if you hear it, he's, he's nervous. Because he's basically asking her out on a date. Yes! And you can hear him, like, he literally, like, exhales a few times. Like when he says, I'd like you to come, like he's like being a little forward and it, it makes him nervous. Yeah. And like when, you know, that feeling when your heart is pounding in your chest and it's just, you literally can't quite catch a breath, like a full breath. And like, it's not just because he ran after her to get the coconut. And like his, like when you're kind of like forcing your mouth to say the word, like here they come. Um, 
he also it says beat between each of those lines you can come when you know with a g and t of course beat you can come here whenever you, it says actually the script says you can come here whenever you want he doesn't say here he just says you can come whenever you want yeah beat i'd like you to come he actually like spins in a whole like he makes more than a 360 it's like a well that'd be like a 540 or so he basically like is spinning as he's saying it yeah like he's escaping but he still wants to get the words out but he doesn't want to deal with the aftermath <laughs> twirling twirling toward freedom <laughs> and the way he's like fidgeting with the coconut like everything just signals i don't know what to do right i'm very nervous right now <sighs> and then the the script says he leaves what was that she looks at us briefly dismisses it hitting on you is what that was i know i love and again the direction involves us like it's she's it's mm -hmm. she's not just talking to the camera in the show she's now she's talking to us like she's not just talking to us through the camera she's talking to us through the scriptures mm. it's just fun and i never took her look as like what was that i took it more of like i guess maybe a little what was it? more of just like okay that's interesting like he's, yeah he's interested more like how to interpret she walks away thumbing the thumbing through the bible thoughtfully which is like she's taking it seriously she's not just like tossing it around or like whatever she's actually maybe genuinely interested yeah like as if like not everything's a joke he's sort of established like this part isn't a joke so she's like okay like all right I, and i feel like it's like okay well this is clearly he's something he wants and I want him, so I should do what he wants. That is such, a, like when you have a crush on somebody and you're like, oh, he's really into, you know, comets or whatever. And then you're like, you know, I've really also, I'm also, why'd you get a book about comets? Well, I'm just really interested in, you know, the history of comets. And I love comets. Who doesn't love comets? Yeah, my husband's into, well, I don't know if he's into comets, whatever, I don't know why. But you know why? It's because there was a comet recently that we I wanted to go see and we didn't get a chance. So comets was on my brain. It also hurt because then at the end it says, you know, she walks away. It hurts a little seeing the wide shot of them walking in separate separate directions, kind of knowing how it's all going to end. Meh. But it's also yeah. very cute that they've kind of had this little air and like they're going back to their corners, but you know they're going to meet again. It's great. And they are very much still present in each other's lives at this moment. Mm -hmm. Well, they've just like the ball's rolling, the yeah. coconut's rolling, if you will. <laughs> the fake coconut. Yeah. Um, oh, that's great. Oh, that's it. Well, we did it. So we would love to hear from you. Email us at uh, thefleabagsituation at gmail.com. Do want to say we admittedly are not great about replying, but we do read every single one. Yeah. And one day we'll be good about replying. We, who knows? No, we, it's because we want to put in a thoughtful reply and then we just, we lose track of time. Um, but trust that we read every single one that comes in and it makes us, it makes our day every time. It really does, guys. Um, and a lot of times makes us look at the show in a different way. People bring up some really good theories. And another way to do that, if you kind of want to float theories or ideas or observations with other fans, we have our Facebook group, which you just search the Fleabag situation. And um, that's a, a great, somebody just posted a poll, Stephanie just posted a poll of like, when she says, this is a love story, like what is the love story that resonates the most with you? And so I, I love that because these are the conversations we want to have that nobody in our real life wants to talk about. Right, and also I love that the options were like, Fleabag and Priest, Fleabag and herself, Fleabag and Claire, Fleabag and Counselor's little scarf. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I voted for. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> 
and then we're on Instagram at Fleabag Situation Podcast and Twitter at Fleabag Podcast. And we just got retweeted by Sean again. Yeah, yeah. The winner, Sean Clifford. So we could say we have a BAFTA winning retweet of a tweet. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. No, that, yes. Let's say that. We should put that in the bio. <laughs> I, here's the thing. I feel sorry for Sean sometimes because she's like one of the only people on social from right. the show. So she gets tagged in everything. And I feel like every time I do it, I'm always like, oh, is she just like enough? But she actually retreated this one. So that made me happy. It was our, there's that meme that's going around of like the 2020 months and like, I guess Reese Witherspoon started it or she did the one that everybody kind of caught on where it's basically like January and February, you look great. And then April through, I mean, March through like June, you kind of look haggard. And then like the last three months are just total shit show. <laughs> So like the Reese Witherspoon one was her from, what was that movie called? What, uh, Legally Blonde? I haven't seen it. No, no, no. Well, it's her for legal, Legally Blonde at the beginning, but then the last three months are Reese Witherspoon from Wild, where she's like on that, she's just like roaming <laughs> the wilderness looking terrible. I feel that. So I, I did one of those for Claire. And, and it's so good. It's so, so good. Yes. And I have to say that Chrissy does all of our social stuff. It's fucking hilarious. So if you just want to smile in your day, you should follow us on social. This is a delight. Uh, it's just a nice, it's a nice distraction. <laughs> Sometimes I'll feel silly when I'll be like, oh, I just don't have time to do anything. And it's like, I'll be over here just grabbing uh, nine screenshots of Sean Clifford from both seasons. All right. In the meantime, we love everybody. We love you. Thank you for listening. It was wonderful to see you in person and on Zoom Alley. Ditto. And uh, everybody stay safe. Wear a mask. We'll get through it. Yeah. Hey, All the cliches. Yep. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.